give me a fat beat to beat my body chest. <laughs> my friend, <laughs> You tell me what I saw this woman! You, sir, I hate that 50th celebration. What am I supposed to say, Jesus? Notice you're fucking my dad. No one else is going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language. I know. It's a war killer's woman's asshole. I understood that right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Mouse Bros. Um, it is just Cole and I here today because John is out living it up in Miami with his boo thing. Um, super excited for them. They have a lot of great stuff coming up. Again, I'm not going to speak on their stuff because their business, how much they want to share and don't. But uh, John's dreams are coming true. And that's that's all we want for, for a fellow mouse bro. So uh, without further ado, I just want to say that this episode, as always, is sponsored by the Bam Hatter Co., uh, you can get all your hats at thebamhatterco.com uh, or at the Bam Co, um on all social media platforms. Uh, great hats, amazing person, incredible quality. Uh, Got to mention him every single time because he is a huge supporter and, again, just an awesome person. With that being said, um, not a whole room to go around, but Cole, how you doing, brother? How, how's life been? I'm not wearing a BAM hat. I don't have any Marvel BAM hats, so I know what my next my next hats need to be from him. I don't have anything. I don't have that many Marvel hats, uh, but since since oh, it's Marvel episode, so I'm like got to cover up my hat. It's not a BAM hat. Uh, no, but doing good. Um, one thing coming up, not not too long from now, uh, is the the Walt's hometown celebration uh, in Marzaline uh, at the beginning of June. Which unfortunately, I'll miss the very very beginning of your trip because that's where I'll be. Um, but yeah, if there's anyone that's local to the Midwest that wants to come hang out or, or come say hey, that doesn't have the means to come to the parks all the time, but they're within driving distance of Marzaline, Missouri, definitely come. Yeah. Come check it out. Come come out there on June third, Saturday, June third. That's where I'll be. Uh, other than that, um, still, unfortunately, still just on the job market and everything like that. But working for the family and going to Disney. So yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. Um, good segue into what I've got going on. Um, obviously, Cole mentioned I have my trip coming up. It is the first time in a long time. Um, Cole will be not be there for obviously that weekend, but we're doing Epcot on a Tuesday, so it gives him time to get back, settle in, and hopefully meet us for a couple hours that night so we can hang out. Um, my mother and sister are coming, which is new people that I haven't gone to Disney with since 2010. Um, I haven't been with my to Disney with my sister since she was five years old, and she just turned 18. They're fun people uh, so to do Disney first. with. I did Disney with them last year. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Nico's mom and sister that are fun. That would be irreparable. <laughs> that would be irreparable damage. Um, but yeah, just counting the days. Uh, I think I'm down to like 23 days until Disney. Um, got set up for my PSA pre-check. Feeling like a ba-ba-ba-baller. Um, and that's that's really it, man. I'm, I'm just super excited to get back out there and be back to the magic good thing is i am coming in early june and then just three months later we'll be back the last week of september so 
Um, took a long hiatus, but now we're back twice in the span of three, three and a half months. So, um, yeah, September, that last week of September, we'll be out there for the days leading up to the baby's first birthday. Nice. And um, then we're probably hiring a princess for the baby's first birthday. So, uh, nice. We are we are quite excited. With that being said, um, we're talking about life and life events and things like that. And I think about it's time we talk about a movie that I am not exaggerating when I say maybe changed my life and the way I view, literally not how I view cinema, how I view my life as it is and not taking things for granted and realizing how important family truly is. And the movie I'm talking about is the profound masterpiece that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, we're going to get, you know, a little bit in-depth. It's just going to be a short conversation. But we needed a dedicated episode to this movie because it was truly insanely good. And <clears throat> we'll get deeper into, you know, all of the reasons and all the things that resonated with us. But, I mean, Cole, I already know. Tell everybody how you felt about Guardians. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Easily, easily top five. If I really sit down and think about it, possibly top three. I just, I loved that movie. Um, there was, I'm trying to think of what it was. That, like, I've, I've walked out of it, and there was a single moment that I was like, you know what, my if I had to, like, really dissect it, there's just, like, one thing that I would have done slightly different, but, like, to not dissect a movie or not have a bunch of, like, well, th- it was great, but this was weird, whatever. Um, it was just, it was just was phenomenal. Um, I, I want to go back and see it a dozen times. It's just, it's exactly it's how I feel. so brilliantly written. It's a really great balance of action and humor. Like they, they, they pulled off. They, they did what they did. Ragnarok, which no Marvel movie's done since Ragnarok, with being able to be yeah. funny. And action-packed and not feel too comedic. Uh, a lot of movies have gone, have failed, like fallen short on in the MCU of being too serious or too funny. And not finding that that balance with being a comic book action flick um, and everything or too gimmick, gimmicky uh, and everything. So I was I was really impressed with it. Um, I, I was on the side of the spectrum that I still enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder, but I feel like it did what that was trying to do, which was balance, you know, uh, a more daunting story, a story about life and death and with humor, but it just got very oversaturated with the humor. Still a good time at the movies. And I'm not here to like talk or put that movie down, but this movie did, I feel like what every movie strives to do and talking about top fives. I mean, I just posted a video recently, um, and Ragnarok was my number four. And now Ragnarok got moved back to five. Winter Soldier at number four. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is actually my number three, uh, confidently. And then Civil War and Infinity War are my top two. I, I walked out of that movie just instantly feeling like I saw something that is going to be one of my favorite things going forward. And I'm going to watch it over and over again. And I'm going to fall in love with it more every single time. Um, the one thing that it, you know, it balanced well, but it was one of, if not the darkest Marvel movies 
And I think it's because it touches on that. And just full transparency, we are going to be talking spoilers here. Um, if, if you want to go see the movie and come back, great. I really recommend you see it. I think it's a film that everybody, not even Marvel movie, Marvel movie fans should see. Um, it was really, really dark. And it didn't feel like I was watching a superhero movie. It felt like I was watching a space opera about this broken, found family. And it was just so close to home. The story was all about them saving Rocket's life. He gets hurt in the first scene. And from then till the end, it is all about them saving their friend's life. The things they go through in this film to ensure... That Rocket is okay, especially Peter Quill, who Chris Pratt puts on an A-plus performance. It, it, it was beautiful. That's the word I, I want to use. It was beautiful. The, from And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the soundtrack more later. But, the, but music makes a movie, and they just did, I mean, such an incredible job with every nuance of the film. I mean, it was definitely dark, though. I'm getting into the animal cruelty aspect of it Um, that was that was kaylee's one thing was she goes the the way they chose to display the the cruelty of um why am i drawing a blank on his name um what was the guy's name the villain high evolutionary high evolutionary there you go thank you i'm like i know it's like a a title and then (laughs) something Um, but yeah, the, the way they chose to portray his cruelty in the, in what he did to the animals, um, it, it was, it was almost too much in some situations, not just with them and how, and how they chose to portray it. It was, it was borderline gratuitous. Um, and, uh, so, and that even, it, it was a little just like disturbing to me as well. Like when he first meets the rest, rest of, um, Batch 69, right? 89. Batch 89 and everything like that. Um, Which they did a good job in them. They did did a a good job in the marketing because in the marketing, they don't look that bad. If you've seen any of the clips, like anytime you saw Lila or anything like that, wasn't quite as bad um, or as significantly machine or as much machine and everything like that. But um, even the, the... creatures he created uh the other ones like they were like the pig the guards and stuff like yeah well not no not them the other ones like the actual like warrior ones he made that you yeah war war pig pig. and then all the other ones that you see at the end or whatever i'm just like man it's like it's so extensive and and very and very cruel um but yeah but it was also necessary for the emotion behind all of it it was very accurate too I mean, the High Evolutionary in comic books even is completely irredeemable. Um, The Guardians of the Galaxy video game that just came out last year actually adapted the High Evolutionary and Adam Warlock storyline. And they get into Rocket's backstory in it as well. And they do an incredible job. Obviously, Guardians 3 was able to take it to a different level as a cinematic experience. But um, the High Evolutionary in Across media, whether it's the game, comic books, he is just evil. And he yeah. he doesn't see animals, he doesn't see humans, anything, any life form below him as people. And as cruel as what he did to the animals, you see it in a more 
intimate way because they get into their backstory more. But let's not forget, it's not just the animals. This man said, ah, oh, this planet's not progressing as fast as I wanted to. And just murdered everybody. Like, blew up a planet. Because he was like, yeah, these these guys aren't doing what they need to do. Uh, you're right. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't evolve. I'm just going to murder everybody. And that's when, like, Adam Warlock snaps in that beautiful visual scene um, of the... the the planet that they're on, uh, Counter Earth, is what it's called. Yeah. Counter Earth just just rippling and ripping apart, and the High Evolutionary has no regard for those people. So, what regard is he going to have for animals? He says it all the time, and he says it many times in that movie about how these below life forms, these lesser life forms. He's just a horrible, horrible villain, and. He is supposed to be somebody that is irredeemable. He's not supposed to yeah. be like a Thanos where you're like, ah, he has a point. Like, it, he is just pure evil, and I think they did a great job um, exploring that and, uh, you know, uh, painting that picture for us of how truly cruel he could be. I mean, when, when Rocket comes to them for the first time and the first word he says is, hurts in that little oh, rocket voice bro that like i can't even say that was the first of many tears because when rocket was choked up singing creep at the beginning was when the tears started oh and the, they didn't stop the whole movie they did a phenomenal job of constantly making me concerned for someone someone's life i'm like i felt constantly like someone we were in a moment where someone was going to die they actually for once it wasn't heroes it, it's it, it 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 felt a little like infinity war in the sense that like infinity war was like they lost like here yeah. you have a superhero movie where they don't have plot armor it didn't matter who anyone was it's just people die you lost people they lost they weren't stronger they didn't figure out a way or anything like that or come together and this movie did a good job of the whole way through making making their decisions and their actions a little more real and less just superhero plot armor where it's just like they didn't just get exactly what they needed. Something went wrong. Someone almost died. Yeah. Like there was a I mean, there's a moment where I thought Drax died. There's a moment where I thought Nebula was gonna die. The moment I thought Mantis was gonna like they it was constant. They were in situations that someone's life was seriously threatened. Um, and it also wasn't then far-fetched how they managed to survive or anything like that or no. or stuff. So I really liked how they told the story um, and, and everything in that regard. Um, oh, so they I... Knew, they knew that the rumor and uh, thought going into it was that somebody was going to die, and they... They play with that the whole movie, and they do such a good job of, as you said, using it to keep you on the edge of your seat. Because at the end, in the scene where Quill turns into a like a balloon, you realize this is the end of the movie. Nobody's died. Oh my god, are they going to kill off Peter Quill? I thought he was dead. I, I I will say that is another thing that I didn't like is like his face like puffed up like I was like he's dead, like his 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 body has expanded. And stuff like that. That's not just like he's swelling or whatever. Like I mean, that like he's dead. I was like, I actually would have. I preferred maybe him just like 
freeze, and then that's when Adam came in and saved him. The face starting to puff out. It's like his his body's breaking down. It's swelling up like it does when it's when you've died, and that process is accelerated in space without air. So it was just like that yeah. was a bit much. I understand it was then for the gimmick of him being like, D- did it look cool and everything like that, and the, the the like joking aftermath. But I'm just like, that was just a step too far in how close he came to death because that was death. It also was supposed to power scale out a Morlock. Um, as somebody like like I like Cole, I know we've discussed this. You're not like a huge comic book guy. You love the MCU, but Adam Warlock is freaky powerful. Oh, I know. In comparison to what we saw, so I think that was their first glimpse of being like this man can achieve feats that many cannot. Oh, um, that was that was I, another thing that I really enjoyed. Is I was like, how are they going to bring Adam Warlock into this? And not just have him be an overpowered character because I mean you have all these characters in the comics. That, I mean there are there are way too many characters in the MCU that if you look on paper at what their abilities are, where there's their strengths and their very few weaknesses lie, they're very overpowered. And I was like, and how do you bring them and balance them in the MCU? And we saw it done. I know there's a lot of hate for it, but I mean you kind of they, you balance the overpoweredness of Wanda with how fragile she is in regards to like her kids and, and, and vision and things like that. And that scales her back. And so I love to see that what happened with Adam is that like, he's, he's a child because he wasn't mentally wasn't fully developed. And I'm like, that was brilliant because then it, it kind of reigned in how overpowered he was because his thoughts and his actions were more just following the will of his, his mother than it was his own decisions and stuff like that or thinking in the moment and like, oh, I can do this so I could like kill this person in like two seconds if I really analyzed and thought about this and stuff like that. So it, it was good to see that was a it was a clever way to scale him back or or basically put a a power dampener on him without having to do that actually having to do that in the writing, the character the way they did. Yeah, absolutely. And Adam Warlock is the very uh, uh, maybe Kang is the very tip of the iceberg, and Adam Warlock's next of ridiculously overpowered characters we're about to start seeing in the MCU from the comics. Like Adam Warlock starts this next level. Soon we're gonna start seeing like comic accurate Silver Surfer and the Beyonder and the One Above All and Galactus and like. Eventually, we're going to see Franklin Richards, who can sneeze a pocket dimension into existence, like uh, uh, ridiculously overpowered characters. And and like you said, I like the way they're kind of easing us into it, because if that was full powered Adam Warlock, there would have been no first fight scene. He would have just if it was execute the Guardians, he would have blown up nowhere with his hands. And they would have been dead, and the movie would have been over. Like he he's still learning, and I, I love that like infantile style of a uh, of Adam Warlock. Um, I think Will Poulter did a great job. I think this movie has some incredible performances. Um, specifically, <laughs> weirdly, something about Vin Diesel as Groot. His delivery is so perfect, and. I don't know if you heard the theory that was then confirmed by James Gunn that at the end, 
he actually just says, I am Groot, but the audience hears, I love you, because we've spent enough time and we now understand him. And James Gunn confirmed that that's what he was doing. Okay, so we actually talked about it. I have not heard. I have not seen James Gunn confirm it. I haven't heard uh, anything. Uh, I hadn't heard anything, but that was... um, that was Kaylee's thought on the way home. She goes, I wonder if, she goes, I wonder if that's just that we can understand him now. And I was like, and then I thought about it, I was like, the fact that just before that happened, we get Gamora understanding what he's saying, and then we have that scene, I absolutely believe the way they set that up, that that's what that's supposed to be. So that's really cool. Um, Because I was just like, (laughs) I will say, I was like, hearing Vin Diesel's Diesel's actual voice in a a moment about family, I was like... It was a little funny to me. Waiting. It was, was a little funny to me. It was just I like, was really? <laughs> um, yeah. Every honestly, every single character gets their chance to shine in this movie. Like Cosmo the dog gets their chance to shine. Craglin gets his big moment. Um, you know, Mantis, Gamora, all these characters have these amazing arcs. Farewell to Dave Bautista as Drax, who turns in another incredible performance. Um, but, but I am like, I am still blown away with the performance of uh, of Chris Pratt as Peter Quill in this movie. I mean, he's been good, but there were some scenes that I I, I really was was very shocked um, yeah. with how 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 good he was. Um, I just, I just think that the movie fired on all cylinders. I think it delivered in such an incredible way. It was a great way to wrap up um, what is an otherwise incredible trilogy. Um, I think in comparison to Guardians 1 and 3, obviously Guardians 2 is probably going to be the least of the three, but still a great and really fun it was movie. It's still a really good movie. The only problem with, I think, Guardians 2 is there's a lot, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of downtime when they're yes. when they're when they're on Ego's planet up until basically the end. Most of everything that's happening there is dialogue and trying to like Gamora talking to Quill or Mantis talking to Drax and everything like that, trying to figure out what's going on. So there's just um, it, there's just a lot of like trying to build up to the climax of what Quill finds out and everything like that. So. It just makes it slower uh, because it's all on that planet. Now, granted, you had Rocket and, like, Yondu and everything, and you had those scenes that weren't there, but, like, what keeps the Marvel movies moving is the constant change of scenery as we're getting to the end objective and stuff like that. So, especially between... I mean, obviously, when that came out, you didn't know what Guardians 3 was going to be like, but, like, just Guardians 1 and Guardians 3, when you look at them, they are constantly in a new place where a good majority of Guardians 2 just takes place at Ego, and that just makes it a little bit slower. But it's still a really good movie and a really good plot and everything like that, like the climax and everything like that. With uh, it, like, it killed me to put that tumor in her. It's like, what? Like, that's just, yeah. that's just a, I'm sorry, what? Like, seriously, that moment just, like, snaps, like... Cause you don't, you don't know, like, you know, something's wrong when you see all the skulls and then you don't find out until that moment. And it's just like, oh shoot. And the fight and everything like that, like 
It also, I just love how that movie tied together how Quill didn't die holding the stone in the first one. So it's a good jumping off from the first movie, right. which a lot of the times the sequels do a bad job of, where it's just like this doesn't tie to the the first one at all, except like in maybe a very small, small way. But this 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 was good in explaining everything. It explains why he was taken from Earth. It explains his relationship with Gondu. It explains how he didn't get killed by an infinity stone and so on or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as, as a trilogy a goes, time. yeah, as a trilogy goes, one of, one of the better ones. They're the Guardians, the Guardians movies, they're, they're, I mean, they're enough as individual, like, they trump, they trump even the, the Thor series, which, I mean, it's got four movies under its belt, but, I mean, we all know about Thor 2, we don't talk about it. <laughs> but we don't talk about Thor 2. If we um, look at it as a trilogy, honestly, yeah. I think the only trilogy that can really stand up to it uh, in quality is, is going to be Captain America. because I was going to uh, say what I was Avenger, thinking right now, that was the only solid. one. Yeah. First Avenger is a solid movie, but Winter Soldier and Civil War are both top five MCU movies. Like, in, insanely are. well done. Like, and they're completely different like winter soldier is a spy espionage thriller like that is not a superhero movie and then civil war is a superhero epic and they both just do it so well um but yeah i think i think my only thing with guardians 2 was i wanted to see more of what we got in the beginning of that movie because the beginning of guardians 2 is one of my favorite openings um ever when groot is just like baby groot messing with the um the boombox, yep. and they're like fighting the giant monster in the background. Yep, I love that ending, and I wanted to see them just like traveling around, doing, getting into like yeah. funky antics. But as as a piece of the trilogy, I feel like now the story was very, very necessary. My only big issue with Guardians Two was that once we realized that the setting was on Ego the entire time. It made it glaringly obvious that there was something menacing at play with Ego. And and I, I think that was still pretty obvious and still kind of wagged in our faces. Um, especially with Mantis being very, like, like uh, skittish and, and weird about everything he said. But it, like, was super confirmed when they were just there the whole time. But again, it serves such a purpose now, watching Guardians 3 and then getting to the end of that movie. It's still great. And... Guardians 1 and 3 are so insanely good um, <clears throat> as standalones that that it, you know, it makes it just a top-tier trilogy. Like, it's in some of, one of my top trilogies probably ever. Yeah. Like, it, no, it is, yeah. It, it, I watch the other two Guardians all the time. Uh, being honest, I watch Guardians 1 probably one of my favorite MCU movies a lot. Oh yeah. Same MCU movies. I watch all the time and guardians three is going to be one of them. I just don't see it ever getting old. Um, it's again, it's beautiful to look at and the soundtrack. Oh, it's crazy. It was so good. And the reason why I want to get into the soundtrack is because I think a good way to wrap it up is to talk about, you know, obviously Endgame has the end scene. But when we're talking about a standalone movie or team having a fight scene, what fight scene stands up? 
to that main climax because that's the hallway. Is, the hallway. Oh, scene I know. With no sleep till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys playing, dude. Our whole theater. All you saw was head. Oh, I know when he when he turns it on or whatever. It's like no. Sleep. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Was, dude, you gotta play the you gotta play the game because if your team like you only play as Peter Quill in the okay. game, but you can use like team ups and combos where uh, all the other guardians will use their special abilities and you get to see them. They look really cool, but it's mostly a shooter because you're Peter Quill. If your team's health is getting low and you build up like you know how you would build up like a special move in a game, you can build up huddle up. And Peter takes his Walkman and sticks it in the air. And he goes, huddle up, guys. And the whole Guardians team comes right in front of, like, the camera, like, in a huddle. Yeah. And, and um, like, you choose as Peter Quill what to say. That'll either get them hyped up or down on their luck. And it's pretty obvious what gets them hyped. But at the end of it. He, like, smashes the play button, and an 80s rock song starts, and it gives your whole team, like, a super boost of power. Nice. And it's, like, seeing them do that, like, stay true to it in Guardians 3, where even when him and Groot are fighting the High Evolutionary on the ship, he makes sure he has to turn on music. Like, they need music to kick ass. And that's so awesome. Nice. Like, and I think No Sleep Till Brooklyn was just a perfect song because obviously it gets people hyped up. Yeah. And just the way that it went, I saw somebody posted the whole last fight scene on TikTok the other day, which is illegal and you shouldn't do it, but it was there. And oh my God, man, it's so good. It was, it was good. Everybody gets their moment in that scene. Like (sighs) that movie, dude, I, I could go on and on. It, it is truly one of those movie experiences that I like will never forget. The first time I saw it. So outside of the fight scene, what was like your favorite, like, give me your favorite emotional moment and favorite, like, funny, either one-liner or back and forth? I mean, it's so, like, it's so obvious, but the open the door scene, obviously Oh my gosh. Yes, dude. Oh my, I I knew, I knew he got one F-bomb in the movie. I saw the interview where he says that he got one F-bomb and I'm like, where is that possibly going to be? And that just was so priceless. They did it in such a good way to not make it corny. Not like, like it would have been so obvious that we're the guardians of the effing galaxy. Like, right. And that is just pissed off in the moment. Just like open the effing door. Like, literally, he's, he's like, no, press the button. That's a, Oh, like, he just gets so yeah. Now what? <laughs> it was so Dude, good. Uh. It was so, so funny. Um, emotionally, man, I was actually, like, hysterical two moments. Like, sobbing, weeping, real tears. And um, when Floor is out of the cage and she's screaming for Rocket... Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then the High Evolutionary proceeds to slaughter all of them. That shit was so dark and so gut-wrenching that she is sitting in the back screaming, screaming, and the music swells up, and then you just hear gunshots, and it's like... Well, okay, I was really afraid because she was being so loud. I'm like, he's just going to shoot her because she's being annoying. But, I mean, he's not even the one that killed Floor or Teeth. 
those were the guards that came running in that started shooting at, at Rocket and stuff like that. He right. only he only kills Lila, and that the Lyla. way the way Rocket screams, I'm like that was gut wrenching to me. Even oh more God. even more than Quill when he thinks Rocket's died. I was like, which you see in the trailer, you see that you don't hear it. They muffle it and give you music in the trailer but you see and that's what that was one of the key things that made everyone think that someone's gonna die because quill is literally an emotional wreck in this moment and everything like that i mean that scene even with seeing his emotion even though you don't get the full context or the audio in the trailer it that scene was so powerful but the way rocket screams and then oh my god it's so heartbreaking. heartbreaking Um, that, that was probably one of the the hardest moments for me, just the way that, cause that scene was so, because of floor and everything like that, it was like kind of building this like, like anxiety, like tension or whatever. And then just the way it escalated from there. And I'm just like, oh gosh, like the way they did this, I was like on the edge of my seat and then just emotionally like devastated the next second. It just, it hits you harder. Um, but, um, also just a scene I thought that was just beautiful was him seeing the cage of baby raccoons, opening it and reading down the list, the specimen identification card, which the last thing on there says that he's a raccoon. Raccoon. And so then when he says later, it's rocket raccoon, it's like, he's never believed he was, he was never told what he was. And stuff like that, like he didn't. It's not like he was referred to as a raccoon or anything like that. So he never knew what he was. I mean, he was taken. No, he just thought people were throwing like a slur at him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he always yelled at it at Quill, or whatever. I also think there's just something beautiful in like reading that that it also expresses and explains to him that he came from Earth and stuff too one of the so it's this in the holiday special when kevin bacon says is that raccoon talking and he goes i'll kill you <laughs> yeah but just <laughs> i just it's not time. anything that's ever said out loud but it's just like he's reading down this like he's from where quill's from and yeah. stuff like that like that's got to be a subtle like beautiful thing to realize in your friendship you're not alone in this world or whatever and, and everything like that too but um that there was um the Nathan Fillion cameo, the Nathan, oh the Nathan Fillion cameo. So when he's talking, funny. he goes, Oh, I, I've got one too. Everything he says, I just, and like the way he was talking about the guy right behind him was just, and they come back price- to that bit yes, later too. it was <laughs> priceless. It was Nathan Fillion in his finest while still just being a, a cameo that wasn't it wasn't too much. I loved it. I was almost dying. the entire cast almost the entire cast of James Gunn's Suicide Squad was in it. Um Ratcatcher Two was the pink girl. Pete Davidson was the little blob that walks out of the cage at the end. Did you not know no, that? No, I did not. It's Pete Davidson which makes that, it so that, funny that's to that's me. That's but also that's just ridiculous because that that scene was unnecessary. That was just going back to the just cruelty and the experiments. I was like, that didn't need to be there. It just it didn't. It so but funny. oh my gosh, it's so funny. who um, else? Another beautiful moment. Another beautiful. Um, oh, I have to think. Well, Jennifer Holland, who was an agent in it, who is also James Gunn's wife, she played. Um, 
She played kind of like the snitchy one while they're on their plant on that planet. Lady who has like a bonnet on her head. Um, on what? There, I, I saw somebody went through how many like cameos there were. They're very obscure ones, but a lot of the Guardians cast uh, was. I mean, a lot of the Suicide Squad cast was in it. Which and, okay, sorry. Which so his the second one, the one with the stupid starfish alien that's james gunn suicide squad sorry that's james gunn suicide squad. when there's two suicide squads and then tv shows i get mixed up on who was who was where um so where's uh where's uh where's polka dot man i actually think he is like one of i'm not sure that that's david demastelchin i don't know if he's in it i know that Wa- watch him be the idiot watch him watch him be the idiot that uh nathan fillion hates it just in heavy makeup. One of the other Suicide Squad members was the voice of War Pig. Um, gotcha. They, they like they were. It was just a bunch of like subtle nods. He loves to do that. Nice. His wife is in all of his movies and all of his shows. Oh She's yeah. The main agent in Peacemaker, which I love. Oh, I, love. I didn't know that. Yeah, the blonde lady. Uh, her name is Jennifer Holland. She's James Gunn's wife. They like just recently got married, actually. Nice. Um, but uh, another really beautiful moment was. Rocket seeing them all again, like at the gates. Oh my gosh, the, the freaking okay! I will oh, the the platform nine and three quarter scene. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, yeah. if we're being honest, it's it's beautiful. It, it was when yeah. he's just crying and he's like, "Can I come with you?" Oh and God, when she like, says not oh, yet, of course. Oh, when she says not, like stops him. I'm like, ugh. The sigh of relief, I sigh. I, I say, he wasn't I was gonna like, die. I thought, I thought that was it. I thought this was a beautiful goodbye. And then she stopped, not yet. And I like, and I was like, oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah, and then another scene that I want to talk about is right after that, and it's very subtle, but when Rocket's voice speaks over the intercom for the first time, Nebula starts to cry oh my gosh and yes but ne- yes oh dude i, I lost it missed that whole when she, scene. oh my gosh when she's just like the the in her voice when she's just like rocket oh like God. yeah when she just yeah. hear when she questions is that who i'm hearing i was like oh my gosh it's like you just humanize nebula so much in this movie so much more One than you have arc oh. nebula has had throughout the entire mcu yeah I mean, and Karen Gillan plays that that part. Amazing. Again, this film, start to finish, was beautiful and incredible and had well-choreographed fight scenes and just enough ridiculous superhero romp just sprinkled in there with, again, a heartfelt space opera. I, I was blown away. Again, this is my number three MCU movie right now. It could go up after I see it again because I, I think I'm seeing it again on Thursday. And I just want to see it again and again and again and again. This movie was absolutely phenomenal. Those are my final thoughts on it, Cole. Is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Oh, um, we have not said a single thing about this character. And now I feel really bad that we haven't because I think this character deserves a massive amount of credit from this movie. Uh, because they didn't really, outside of the holiday special, weren't really 
a character, if we're being honest, prior to the holiday special, and that's Cosmo. Oh yeah, Cosmo was. Yeah, she was brilliant. The humor, the the, the whole bad dog, good dog stuff. Oh my god, was so funny. Was brilliant. Just just like Soviet Russia sends dogs up, not knowing they're not gonna come back. They but they never say bad dog and all this stuff. That's so funny. Yeah, and and like right. Right when, like, Craglin says good dog and she, like, saves the day, I'm like, yeah, I love Cosmo, man. Oh, Co- Cosmo Cosmo was so good. Because, um, like, honestly, Cosmo was on the same level. I, I literally felt like it was another version of, like, Mantis, in a sense. And it's just like, okay, you have Mantis a... Mantis who had an incredible arc in that. Oh, my movie. gosh. Yeah, Mantis, like... They all did. Like, that's my final thoughts on this movie. Is I've never seen a trilogy give so much character development in what's the final movie in such in in a two and a half hour movie. Everybody. In two and a half hours, the amount of just character building to this like great finale point for all of them. I mean, the movie is is all it, it is so focused around Rocket. While being also so focused around everyone else, I just thought it was incredible. I mean, I mean, obviously, the only one that we don't see a ton from is like Groot, but Groot's character has always been a little, a little bit more comic relief because I mean, he doesn't say much, so you have his actions and everything like that. I mean, he was the sacrifice play in the first movie and everything, and then after that was a goofy little child or a pain in the butt teenager until we got buff Groot in the holiday special and everything like that. But like outside of that, just the, everything we got with Drax and the whole, who even says it to him? Like you were born to be a father. I was like, Oh my gosh, that had to wreck you. That had to wreck you new dad. I I was going to finish with that. As we were talking about it, that's the next thing I was going to say. Is the minute she said that, my wife looked at me because she knew. Yeah, and I, I was bet. Just like uh, I, I in that moment was like, well, I thought in my mind I was like, well, Nico's ruined. <laughs> if, if he's the, made it, the, if he's made it this far, somehow he's ruined. The last, the last like thought I was gonna say is Drax is a dad who dances, like literally. Oh my dude, when. I realized that it was going in that direction for Drax towards the end. And, like, once he started, like, talking to the kids and he was so comforting for them. And they've never seen that because they've mm-hmm. only seen this, like, big sarcastic... The destroyer. They've only seen this, the Destroyer. He says he was this, like, family man and all this. That moment where I'm pretty sure it's Mantis says you were born... you were You were made to be a father... Like, she literally says, you weren't made to be a destroyer. You were made to be a father. Bro. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I lost. And I'm, like, already crying from the other parts of, like, the movie. And then the minute she says father, anytime I hear father or dad in a song, in a movie, now I'm just an emotional wreck. And I want to go home and squeeze Arya. Like, I want to pop her. I do want to ask you, with your comic book knowledge... The children that he was making, um, one of them is a guardian in the end credit scene, and she has some form of power. Who is she? Is she someone of any significance? 
she is in the comic books and she was a guardian at one point. She has powers very similar to Captain Marvel. Um, okay, like because I'm just like, this is interesting. You're giving me another child with powers. The way that they're building up, oh, the way that they're building coming, up, dude. the Young, young Avengers, Avengers or these young... I was like, because I'm like, come on. Thor Love and Thunder ended with an end credit scene with a little with a girl kick a child kicking butt. This movie just ended with a child kicking butt. Multiple of the TV shows we got had children in you have Kate Bishop and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like We got we got Billy and Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Yeah, they're but yeah. They're definitely building towards Young Avengers. I, I have a very weird feeling that and it would be a little bit backwards because Age of Ultron the Ultron like comic and Endgame story in the comic books and also in animated movies, uh, Ultron wins, and there's not just a Young Avengers but a Kid Avengers storyline, and it's all the children of the Avengers, and they basically have have been like hidden away by Vision, and trained their entire lives just to protect them. And the world is this dystopian world run by Ultron and Ultron bots. And they're the ones who come back and save everybody. I feel like after Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty, there's a good chance that our main storyline could be Young Avengers and possibly X-Men. Because we're getting mutants at some point. I know we are. We, yeah, because I mean it's been to. it's been said out loud now. It's 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 heading yeah. that way. Um, it's just still a fine line. They have to dance a little bit in some areas, but yeah. All right. Well, I mean that's all I got to say about Guardians Three. Same. Uh, I'm gonna go. Re- I'm gonna go schedule a showtime. I'm gonna go back and see it again this week and, and now that we're talking about it. AMC A list, baby. You can see it A-list. three times a week. Three movies a week, twenty bucks a month. You cannot go wrong, and you can see IMAX I or Dolby. Everybody. For anyone that does yeah. not know, you get, you can see, you can see any movie. IMAX, Dolby, a Dolby, an IMAX screening alone is twenty bucks. You see one IMAX movie, twenty five dollars. Okay, there you go. It's more expensive than A list. You see one IMAX movie a month, and you've paid for your pass. Everything else is free. If you want to look at it that way, that's how I like to look at passes. But then you earn points like almost- crazy, dude. We just yeah, you almost oh, always have a ten dollar reward. Almost always, I go and I'm exactly like, oh, exactly. We're uh, we're also one of those, those some of those people that bought uh, AMC stock when it was dirt cheap during the during the Panini. Me too. I'm and everything like that too. I know. Yeah. Did you get your free drink? I was like, I got a free large soda. Yeah. That that's 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 they, worth that's worth exactly how much I paid for this piece of stock. <laughs> and every couple months they do a popcorn, a large popcorn. I, yeah, exactly. I'm just like, man, I'm glad I bought this stock. It's I it's paid for itself with popcorn and soda. Exactly, <laughs> well, guys. That'll do it for the Guardians chat. Um, we're gonna send all of you on your way to have an amazing and magical week. Cole and I are gonna stick around, and we are going to lay down. Uh, episode that Cole just informed me we're going to be doing, and it's going to be hilarious. Listen, so it's going to be, obviously, deep. as you guys know, we record two episodes at a time uh, just for schedules and everything's sake. So this will be another one that's just me and Nico. But um, it's going to be fun, and it will come full circle the next time we record with John. And so you're definitely going to want to listen to it in a week when it comes out. And then you're going to want to be back a couple weeks after that for when part two comes out. Um, 
because man, I'm excited for part two. <laughs> I am too. I actually cannot wait to get this episode over so that we can go record it. Exactly. Um, thank you all for tuning in. We love you. Go sponsor. Uh, go. Go get yourself laced up with the Bam Hatter Co. Um, our wonderful sponsor. I, I'm so excited. I'm fumbling all over my words. Everybody have a magical week. Cole, I'll see you in about 30 seconds. Adios.